0: The, the, the games are over, but the game never, stops. never, never Stop. stops. This is College Football Overtime with
1: Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome into the College Football Overtime Podcast. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon. And Abe, we said last week that the coaching carousel seemed to be coming to a grinding halt. And as soon as we say that, we have some crazy news. And we're going to talk about that crazy news right here on the College Football podcast or College Football Overtime Podcast. Uh, also, Steve Sarkeesian gets a big old pay raise. We'll talk about that and the implications that it could have on the sport as a whole, Is even if it's just the University of Texas. Plus, we got an EA Sports game coming out. They just dropped a, a, a little teaser that's got me in a tizzy. And then Helmet Communications officially coming to College Football. But before we get into all of that here on the College Football Overtime Podcast, I got to welcome in my co-host, Abe Gordon. How you doing, buddy?
0: Doing good, man. Happy President's Day uh, weekend to all our viewers and listeners. And, uh, yeah, I mean, one more weekend down means one more weekend closer to the start of the season. So let's get into oh, it. it. It is a
1: long, arduous offseason, man. There is there is no sport that is <laughs> that is as brutal of an offseason as college football. But you know what? The offseason, it, it, it's not real, you know, because there's always going to be some news. I know we're in the dead period for recruiting right now, but at the end of the day, the news The well of news just keeps seeing the populate, man. It's all over the place. First thing we got to jump into is, of course, Sean Elliott. He is the Georgia State head coach, or was the Georgia State head coach. And now he's going to go be the Titans coach at South Carolina. Of course, he has family in Columbia. That's why I think coached there for three years. He was a position coach. His family never left. So he would routinely end practices early just to head up to, not early, but he would end them around 5 o'clock, and he would always head up to Columbia, South Carolina to go be with his family. But um, I, I, I think it's a great move on his part. I, I, I love the fact that he he understands that he's got kids in high school and he wants to go be a part of the, that experience and be around his kids and still around the sport he loves. So he gets to go to a, a, a program that he's familiar with, but it's also an interesting trend in college football right now. He becomes the third head coach to leave a head coaching role for a Role as a coordinator. Halfley did it earlier this offseason. Boston College's old coach. He's now the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. That one I understand. Of course, you're going to the, to the next level, and you're going to go be the coach in the NFL. But then Chip Kelly does it, and he goes to go be an offensive coordinator at Ohio State, leaves UCLA. Now we've got a Georgia State head coach going to become a tight ends coach. It's a very interesting trend in college football right now.
0: Yeah. I think from the outside looking in, you might want to call it a trend, but I would counter that. I think these are three individual circumstances that for different reasons do make sense on the surface. You mentioned Halfley. Uh, I do think jumping into the NFL needs no explanation. Um, Chip Kelly was a very odd scenario on its own. It had its Mm -hmm. own stipulations and situations. And so leaving UCLA, which is going to happen sooner or later, probably sooner, um, to to take one of the most high-profile offensive coordinator jobs in the entire country, sure. I get as well. This is the one that, from a coaching perspective, makes the least amount of sense. And, and we're going to dive into the family stuff in just a moment. But just from a coaching perspective, th- this is not a, a mild step down. This is an extreme step backwards um, in terms of your career organizational chart or, or whatever rungs you want to detail. Um, but now we get into it with the coaching and the family aspect of things. This is a, a man in Sean Elliott, um, who has understood the sacrifices, uh, and, and dealt with sacrifice, uh, to be a head coach. And, and, and it's very clear, um, the priority list for him on a personal and professional level, um, mm-hmm. I I know this is going to sound harsh. I I don't mean it in a negative manner, but um, this probably uh, is him giving up any opportunity he has or would have had to be a power five head coach. And I think that's okay. Um, I think this is a guy who sat back and looked at pros and cons of this decision and said, this is more important to me. And I think you have to respect that decision that being said it is a significant step back i don't think you can overlook that um but it it is no secret that coaches at the highest level um afford massive massive sacrifices in their personal lives and there this was a guy who um as you mentioned uh, with family and kids entering into that decision um you know cho- chose to to Put them above his professional um, um, trajectory, and, and I, I think you can respect that. It, it, it's odd on the surface, um, but I understand why why he made this decision. But ultimately, you know, you look at it from the professional side of things here, Garrett. And, and so many guys want to get to the highest level, want to be a head coach, want to try and win a national championship that uh, it is odd to see someone take a, a, a step in the other direction um, for, for whatever reason it is. Uh, and, and again, you can defend his reasons. That's perfectly fine. Um, but it is rare to see the professional side of things, take a back seat mm-hmm. uh, to the family side of things. Uh, I have nothing wrong with the, the decision, probably a similar um, paycheck. Uh, in, in regards to group of five uh, head coach versus power five coordinator or position coach as it may be and who knows you know who knows um, he is still young enough that maybe he works his way through through the ranks at South Carolina and maybe in a couple of years he becomes a coordinator and a couple of years after that he does get the chance that that um, we believe would be uh, ideal for you know it just seems most guys will eventually want to be a head coach um, but at the yeah. same time some guys are just better suited for coordinator life or whatever. So uh, I understand the decision, but it is an odd one, um, just because normally you want to take steps forward, not sure.
1: voluntarily take one back. Yeah, and, and it is sort of an interesting move just in general. I was very surprised when the, news, the report came through. Uh, and I, I do want to correct one thing that I said earlier. I said the third head coach, it's actually the fourth head coach, Kane Womack, left South Alabama to go be the defensive coordinator at Alabama. So I just wanted to correct that really quickly. Um, but Sean Elliott does take a slight pay cut. I understand why he does it, but we have to remember he's only 50 years old. Like he's not, he's not overly like, it's not like he's in his sixties or something. So I don't think he's giving up necessarily anything. Uh, he was a good coach. He's a well, good I, coach. I, What you're giving no. up is years. And I you agree are, with you yeah. that opportunity
0: yeah. is still. Mm-hmm. Uh, Look, you maybe in three years. He could be the defensive coordinator at South Carolina. They put up a top eight defense in the country and he could be taking that step. I agree with you on that, but you are one step away. As a group of five head coach, you are one good year where your team goes nine and three or 10 and two from getting into those discussions. He's just
1: not going to be in those discussions in the immediate future. That's all. I think, I mean, his kids graduate high school and they move on to college. I mean, at that point, he can go get a head coaching job anywhere he wants. I mean, he elevated Georgia State to to being a, a pretty respectable program in a very difficult Sunbelt conference. He had them sitting right at I think it was a 41 and 44, four bowl wins over his seven years at Georgia State. It, he turned it into a respectable program, you know? And at the end of the day, it's like this is a that was a team that that had been founded what t- less than 20 years ago? Bill Curry refounded that program in, over in Atlanta not too long ago. So like let's we can't exactly react as if it's like there it was some big time program that he turned into word. but no, he got him their first bowl win and he added three more. So kudos to him. And I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, what his future. It's just interesting, not excited. I shouldn't say excited. I'm not, that's not the right word, but interested to see what his career path ends up being because we've never seen one quite like that. I cause I understand Kane Womack. He goes to, to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama. It, it's technically a demotion. But you're going to go be a defensive coordinator at one of the top programs in the country. Not one of yeah. the top programs, the top program in the country, at least the, the one that has been for the last 20 years. So I get that side of it, you know, and then you can turn that and parlay it into a bigger opportunity down the line. Uh, but I, I do feel like you and you, I think you alluded to this right at the beginning of your comments there. It feels like there's been a bit of an overreaction. Like to, by the media in general, just saying, well, "Oh my God, be- this is indicative of where we are in the sport." Like, yeah, like I get it—the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, all these other things. It's an unprecedented time, but I feel like everyone's college football is still college. Well, football. let me let
0: me ask you because my take and, on on the the situations you presented is that each, when looked at individually, makes sense. Exactly. I understand directly why this is happening. Do do you view it that way? Or are you looking at, look, four guys have already done this. Next year, it'll be seven or ten. Like, I, I just don't know if it's the trend people are making out to be. I think there are individual circumstances where where you understand the specific reasonings behind the
1: decisions. I just don't know if that's enough to call it a trend, in my opinion. I, I completely agree. I, I don't think it is a trend, necessarily. I mean, I guess on the surface, it could be, but... I don't think it is because yeah, you, I don't when either. you actually lay out all of the, the, the reasons why these guys yeah. made these decisions, all of them make sense. They all make sense. Like John Elliott wants to go be with his family. Yeah. His family's in Columbia. And, and okay. that's a different reason Done.
0: that Chip Kelly is leaving, which would, is, he is he a different reason, reason that out. Halfley is leaving, which mm-hmm. is a different reason than Womack. I just,
1: they, they aren't as correlative as people try yeah. to force them to be. No. And I think Halfley is the one that it's, if you have, the one that just makes the most sense is like I'm I'm ready to get out of college football and I just want to go to the next level and go do something up there. Um, that's the one where I, I see I understand where he's coming from there. But and I'll say this three, too, they, they like, all make complete sense. It's all it, very logical. If there's gonna
0: be a trend, I, I lean at it more towards what Halfley did, uh, more towards guys going from college into the NFL then I do the Chip Kelly situation or the Kane Womack or even the Sean Elliott situation. Like Jeff Halfley going to the NFL, I, I think makes more sense. If, if there's a trend, I feel like it's that not, not some of the other college to college jobs that we've seen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So good luck to Sean Elliott. I mean, I'm excited. Interested. I keep saying excited. Interested to see what he does over there in columbia I mean, the, thing, the thing
0: for me is like he's been so front and center and obviously if, if anyone's yeah. outside of the atlanta area uh, you know we we are located here in atlanta and so obviously georgia state football has been front and center the thing for me is just i i don't want to see him disappear into the fray right i'd love to still see him front and center in some manner having the impact that he had here i just don't want him to get caught and buried uh,
1: uh, under uh, you know under that that tree there at South Carolina, if you will. Sure. Yeah, and and it is the timing itself is also extremely interesting. They had already started spring practice. Yeah, and it's just, hey guys, I'm leaving <laughs> to go. Be well, I mean, coach. here's
0: the other situation, Garrett, and mm. a, 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 you you could go through all the interim head coaches you want. I've never seen a strength. Uh, a, 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 I've never seen the strength coach turn into the interim head coach. It's normally an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Maybe there's someone further down the chart that has head coaching experience, but the uh, strength coach, and who knows if they're going to play the whole season out, if they're looking to hire quickly, you know, certainly when that happens, we'll be updating you. But that was a decision all on its own that I was
1: uh, surprised by. That, that certainly was. I, I, you, you actually did remind me of that. Yeah. So the, <laughs> that, that's a thing that happened. It was a thing that happened. That's a real thing. And so does that mean is he is he gonna still lead them through this entire offseason plan that he had set up probably? So I actually think I guess that, not. Th- th- there's two ways to go
0: about it. Like this is actually mm-hmm. a pretty good time to hire uh, a head coach because the students are um are, are kind of locked in because they've already enrolled in school. Um yeah. and, and they're probably not gonna get to another another spot um you're not competing with anyone you 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 theoretically would have your choice and again it would probably have to be a coordinator somewhere um but this is a guy who could then come in have the full or or most of uh a spring uh take advantage of the spring transfer portal and, and go to war um or you just play a full season out with with the interim stuff and 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 you have a year to kind of vet and take take aim and and see what you're doing but um yeah, I, it's going to be interesting
1: to see which uh, which of those routes they choose. This spring transfer window is going to be very interesting. Yeah, very interesting, and I, I think that one in and of itself is just the amount of movement that we're going to about we're about to see there. I think is is going to be kind of insane, just because you look at an Alabama, you look at a lot of these programs at Washington. Yeah, the late coaching carousel is going to have huge impact come the spring portal, no doubt. I, You're right. I completely agree. Yeah, I completely agree. But one other thing that had a little bit of movement. Steve Sarkeesian's contract, and that is up. Got a big old, big old pay raise, seventy eight percent. So it, it, it extends ten years, like up to the tenth year of the contract. So the year for the contract was going to be five point eight million. That's what he was going to be making. It is now going to be ten point three million dollars. Year five was going to be six million. Now it's ten point four. Year six. Six point two. Now it's going to be ten point five. he's He's quickly become one of the highest paid coaches in all of college football. Good for him. Does this feel a little premature
0: to you? No, no, it doesn't. I, I mean, you're moving into the SEC. If you were staying in the big twelve, I'd have a different feel to this, but but yeah. you need to be in line with the top coaches uh, in, in your conference, the top coaches in the country, if you are Texas. I, I mean, you took this program to to a a college football playoff berth uh and and you're looking at um you know being among the top teams this year uh with what you're returning and and so yeah you have to get in line uh you have to be competitive in in your conference and and ultimately it's a situation where um you know if you don't feel the need to extend him down the road this may end up being a a decent value at, at not even topping off at Uh, under 11 million dollars in the year 2030 and I know you got the bonuses and incentives and different things that probably take it over that but um yeah I I mean we're being honest he was underpaid I mean incredibly underpaid um considering the the program he was at and so um based on what he did this year based on the expectations, now that you got to keep meeting them right you you don't Mm -hmm. want one year to do that right but um, no I, I think it's probably understandable why this is the time they make this move Again you probably don't do it you probably don't have the sheer numbers you do if you stay if, if the big 12 still exists and and, and you're in, in where you had been but moving yeah. into the
1: SEC you need to keep pace um and and it makes sense yeah of course the, they finished last year 12 and two and maybe just a play or two away from potentially playing in a national championship one game. play
0: I mean they were one play away they, they were a yeah. better thrown ball. Uh, to Ad Mitchell in the corner of the end zone from yep. from beating Washington. I mean, they're literally as
1: you. I mean, they're literally one play away from being in a national championship game. Yeah, and his performance incentives will increase from a maximum of eight hundred twenty five thousand to one point eight five million dollars every year, including three hundred thousand dollars for a conference championship. Uh, could also earned two hundred fifty thousand dollars for reaching the college football playoff, five hundred thousand for reaching a college football quarterfinal. for reaching a college football playoff semi and a million dollars for reaching the championship game. You know, what's funny like 1.25 for winning it all out of, out of
0: all those incentives, like winning the conference championship and getting that extra 300,000 is probably tougher than college football playoffs, college football quarter, maybe even tougher (laughs) than college football semi. Maybe I mean, that's how crazy like that is. It's the lowest incentive. It actually is, Probably tougher than three or the
1: four other ones. I mean, so but Mike, I go back to my question though. For you, um, I said it was premature. Well, I asked you if it was. Premature.
0: No, I, I get why. I, I there there's definitely a tinge to that. I agree with you. J- just because he he has kind of underachieved in previous years. There there were games this year where you're like, what is this guy doing? Is this the guy that can lead this program? Um, I understand why, but it, it, to me, it's more about where you have to be in the SEC with a top coach um, and, and you just can't, you can't yeah. compete in the SEC with a $600,000 or excuse me, a six, six and a half million dollar head coach. Like that just,
1: that that was unrealistic. You're, he would leave. I mean, quite frankly, like he would why? leave. Well, I mean, he was going to get it. I, I, I just thought, I thought this would be something next year to make this sort of I'll I'll tell you what this is
0: Garrett and and this is why I don't think it's preemptive because he's gonna get another raise in a couple years anyways if Kalen DeBoer fails at at Alabama Sarkeesian if he has Texas rolling the way they've been rolling was gonna be one of their top choices and and at that point you can't be paying him six and a half million or seven million per year
1: that's one of the main reasons for Alabama
0: yeah If if they're paying you six and a half million.
1: Well, they won't be paying him. No, no, I agree,
0: but I, I'm saying I think that's part. I honestly think that's part of the preemptive strike mm-hmm. on this extension is to prevent
1: that sort of situation happening. That's all. Actually, I don't. I don't really see. There aren't a lot of programs that you would leave Texas to go be a coach of. If there's a four million dollar difference, you would. That. Yes, that's why, that's why is, I'm saying But that's my other thing is like Texas will make sure that you get that four Pro- million. Probably tag not. Tag on an yeah. extra million just for, yeah. for good measure. Like that's. Like, I'm just talking football-wise. Like, I would never leave Texas for probably damn near any, any job in the yeah, country. Yeah, from a football now, perspective, like, sure. If you're, like, a, a Georgia coach, you're not leaving Georgia for any job in the country. It's the same thing, but it's just you're already established and you're right there. But you know what I mean. Like, I'm yeah. just saying, like, based off, Kirby's different. Um, but one other thing that's worth noting is the fact that all of his coordinators got big pay raises, too. Butowski, um, to. the defensive coordinator, um, who's paid $1.7 million in each of his three – season first his first three years at texas now he's getting a guaranteed three-year extension that'll pay him 1.8 million dollars 1.9 and then 2 million dollars which has got to be one of the highest paid assistant coaches in all of college football i have to imagine that's one of the highest i haven't looked at that actually but everybody eats everybody eats at the university of texas and Steve sarkeesian is now the third highest paid head coach he's in slotted in right ahead of uh Ryan Day up there at Ohio State he's behind Dabo Sweeney and Kirby Smart who are number one and number two but that's the thing though it's like I I understand why he got the contract but five and seven in 2021 that was his first year look what you're
0: really asking is do you trust him yeah are you trusting him to put forth year after year after year the type of performance that deems him to be the third highest paid head coach those questions are real and they are legitimate. There's no, I, I do not have an argument against that. I agree with those concerns and those questions. Um That yeah, I mean, if you're asking if it's if it is premature, yeah, from that perspective, I understand why you would ask that. I think you're just hoping that you move forward more years like what you had last year, less like what you've had previously. But yeah, I, I mean. If you're asking me, do I think, and this is the question we'll tackle, like hypothetically, Alabama is kind of slipping, right? And so if the question is who is going to align as the big rival over a number of years with Georgia, whether it's in conference or out of conference, can Texas be that team? If the answer is yes, then he deserves this extension. But if the answer is no, then, then yeah, it probably is overpaying. I'm not even saying he's overpaid. I'm d- I- or
1: premature, whatever you want to call it. I mean, premature is the right word. I, sure. I wanted to see another year. It was last year a flash in the pan. No, probably not. I think Texas is going to come into the SEC and be a good team because uh, Straka is a good coach. You know, I mean, he was—he's a good coach. And you get the quarterback it, back. And you got a quarterback back, and and I get it though. I understand the situation and I understand why they made this deal. And yeah, but but, Steve, I mean, like the,
0: I, I know you mentioned the coordinator, um, contract, like the offensive coordinator Dow Loggins at South Carolina is making 1 million a year. Like if you're Texas, you, you really just, you'd be, you can't enter the sec at the, you can't pay your head coach six and a half million. That's like,
1: uh, uh, that's Vanderbilt numbers. Oh, Oh, please. It's I mean, not, you know what I mean? No, but on. I mean, you know what Vanderbilt's I mean? not paying their head football coach. Six million
0: dollars. You got the point, though. You know what I mean. Maybe it's a little, oh. little <laughs> bit.
1: But th- does this feel? Does this feel almost uh, Texas A M to you? Um. Uh, uh, yeah. I, first off, I'd have
0: to look at the the buyout stuff because th- there's a big difference. The issue with Texas AM, and and you are obviously referring more specifically to Jimbo Fisher and the contract there. The issue yeah. there was not the contract years and money. The issue there was the buyout. Um, so I, I'd have to compare buyouts. I would imagine, it, without doing the proper amount of research that I guess I should have done, I would imagine, and I guess probably because the numbers aren't final on this, it hasn't been done official. You're just talking about it, I think. Um, but but I would imagine the buyout is not going to be fifty million at certain. I, I mean, you're you're talking sure. five times less than that would be my guess. So mm-hmm. th- that was the real issue. The issue wasn't the years and and the hundred million and all that.
1: It was the buyout. Yeah, and I get that. I completely do. It's just so I actually just did the research here. So what was he making? Six point eight last year.
0: Sure, that, what whatever was? you
1: said. I don't know. You said six point eight. He would have been eighth in the SEC. Yeah, they, come on, eighth. I'm just saying, uh, above Hugh Free, Sam Pittman, Shane Beamer, Drink, Clark Lee, B- B- Vanderbilt, who's making three million dollars, and then Zach. well, I guess is not going to be there anymore. But uh, this is an old list. <laughs> but this was as of October. Um, but he's also getting yeah, because didn't uh, Drink uh, Drinkwitz signed a
0: Drinkwitz signed the deal too. He's going to make nine million, so he he'd be higher on that list too. Yeah,
1: so this is an old list. Yeah, um, I get your point. Yeah, he have been right around that middle of the pack, which I, and so I see where you're coming from with that. But he's also going to be getting two dealer cars that he's going to get to drive around, 20 hours of private aircraft flight time for personal use, okay. University of Texas golf club membership, tickets and suites and all kinds of fun stuff. See, I all, wouldn't, all I wouldn't give these a, guys a golf club memberships. You ain't got time to golf. Why? You, you ain't
0: got time to. If you're golfing all the time, really? you ain't doing your job. Come on,
1: Nick Saban golfed plenty. He he's, golfed plenty. And Steve he's, Sarkeesian's he's the greatest college not football
0: Nick Saban, <laughs> so even Chipper disagrees.
1: <laughs> oh man, it's funny. that's funny! That's some good stuff right there. So, uh, good for Steve Sarkeesian. I think that's uh, good for him. We'll see what ends up happening with all of that. As Texas moves into the SEC, it's a huge year for Texas and and Oklahoma as they um, look to expand the conference. But one thing I do want to talk about, another thing I do want to talk about EA sports in the game. I was just going to say that. Ah, you stole it from me. College football is back on the, whatever console you play. I'm an Xbox guy myself. Uh, I don't know if you're a PlayStation or or whatever, but I saw that dadgum video and I was so excited and it, Finally, it was my childhood. That game meant so much to me. I, I When I got an allowance or I would get birthday money or anything, I would always be saving up to play or to, to buy in NCAA football. It was my favorite thing in the world. I loved it so much. And now it's finally back. July is uh, sometime in July is going to be the release date. May, they're going to release a full trailer. But, of course, we've heard all kinds of rumors and things floating across saying, oh, this is going to be this. And then that's happening there. And some some people said it was going to be the national championship game. They were going to have like a big trailer release or something. And that obviously did not happen. But now we finally have a taste of what's to come in EA Sports College Football 2025.
0: I'm really interested to see what they did with it. Um, And less so from the gameplay perspective. Um, people people enjoyed playing the game but but the thing was the franchise mode um, recruitments stuff like that smaller schools and and building your program and I'm just interested to see what they're doing nowadays in the realm of NIL and transfer portals and how that's going to impact those modes Um, you want it to be realistic to to some extent Um, and if it it has to include those it has to make that difficult now i don't know yeah uh, how you you integrate that into the game but um they're going to get killed if it doesn't and so i'm very interested to see what sort of modes they have um they, i mean I, look e- even recruitment like i would do build the players where you have to go through camps and like play your way into high profile i mean there's just yep. There's the interesting thing about EA sports is, for the college football game is unlike most other sports games. And yes, there is some with with FIFA manager mode or, or, or whatever. Um, it's so little about the actual wins or losses in season and so much about the other stuff that you're doing uh, within the game. And so I'm just really interested to see how they handle that and to what extent they go. And then also, like, the interesting thing, and, um, you know, I've got a show coming up in a couple of days that I want to get a lot of suggestions and see where people's minds are at. But, like, who's going to be on the cover? I know there's been suggestions of of all sorts of ilk. Um, And with NIL, like, theoretically, you could put a current player on the cover. You'd have to figure out the financials and the literature, the contracts and all that. But theoretically, you could. Um, you know, obviously I think a lot of people say you know, that Nick Saban retirement, could he be on the cover? There, there's a lot of different things that could happen. Um, do you have a, a, a you know, whatever it's going to be, I don't know. Um, you, do you, you montage all the old covers, um, you know, stuff like that. What do you do? But, um, mm. uh, very interested to see where they lean with the cover
1: as well. Yeah, I just hope they don't mail it in. That's my biggest thing with the cover. It so that's the,
0: the, I mean, yeah, I meant to I meant to say this and you made me think of it. Like there, there's so much um, nostalgia in this game that there is concern that they half-ass it and just expect people to go with it because, oh my God, we finally got this game back. Like there, there is a nostalgia a version of this where the game is not good, but people buy it and play it just because it's back. And you're right.
1: I hope that's not where this is headed. I really hope not. I really, really hope not. But I don't think at the end of the day that that's hopefully what's going to happen. But if the engine, if they come back and it's it is what this Matt, what Madden has become, I loathe Madden. I used to love Madden. I played Madden religiously. They had the, They used to have the crossover thing where you could play with your college football player and then you could integrate him into the NFL game, the Madden game. And it was the coolest thing. But then, of, of course, as soon as college football went away, like once the college football game went away, it it seemed like the Madden game went off the rails. It's just not the same game for whatever reason. I think they changed the gameplay or something, and it's just—I don't know. I don't like it very Madden much. Has gotten, uh, it, mm-hmm. and you you have this with a lot of these events.
0: It it, it was supposed to be less arcadey than nba jam or nfl yeah. blitz but it's gotten it's swung so far to the other side that there's too much minutiae to the gameplay it's too difficult to, it's, to do too, little it's too close to the real thing it's too serious it's too much audible at the line and read the defense and coverages and see it, it it's all that stuff and a lot of people like that and like the pros they're they're into that and that's fine Kurt I, I think, does
1: a whole has a whole series yeah. on it. The old Falcons quarterback. But I,
0: I do think it's lost a, a little bit of that because it's gotten it's a big game.
1: It's gotten too right. It's gotten yeah, away from it's, being it's a video game. A game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as long as as long as they they could just update little things like graphics, maybe a couple of graphics updates, maybe add a couple of like really cool like little elements. People just want to put Mike Vick back there and just run around. And put it in twenty-five. Yeah. Just take the fourteen game and put it in 25 and update the players and say, maybe add like a couple of game modes or something. Everything since things. the
0: vision cone, I've been lost. Awful. Everything.
1: It's terrible. I don't want to deal with it. If they make it what Madden is right now, I will flip a freaking sh- things that I can't say on. Uh, maybe I can say it on this podcast, but I'm not going to, but <laughs> I will lose my mind. I will lose my mind if they end up doing that, because I have been looking forward to this game for years years and years and I just have very high expectations and I'm very worried that my expectations are not going to be met but I I that doesn't differ. I think
0: you're going to get caught up with a group of people who have anticipated and waited so long that it's almost almost it's impossible. impossible for it not to be a letdown yeah. I I think it's a tough position to be in. you're certainly not the only one in that in that boat but I just think there's so many people who are so anxious to get the game that It almost assuredly is going to be a letdown. It's just going to be tough to live up to expectation.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like just a look behind the curtain. I don't have time to play video games really. I I don't have much of a life outside of sports media stuff that I do all the time. And um, I might go buy. I might have to go buy. Like I have an Xbox One, I guess. I, I would go buy a new Xbox or PlayStation or something to play this game. So the expectations are extremely high. But like you said, I'm probably I'm just in that camp. Uh, I grew up with this game. It was a gigantic part of my childhood. It's something that was uh, very near and dear to my heart. Just don't mess it up. Please just don't mess it up. All right. Enough about that. Let's get into something interesting that's actually happening on the football field next year something that they tried out in tried out during the bowl season and now it's officially going to be coming to college football about 20 years after it probably should have already been in college football but you know what it's not the point helmet communication is going to be implemented and we're going to see it as soon as next season Abe what are your thoughts here
0: well let's be very clear on on a couple things this doesn't happen if there's no Connor Stallions incident at, at Michigan um this is something that has been fast forwarded in my opinion, um, they, they went through it with uh, some of the bowl stuff and and uh, they're getting it into the games immediately. Uh, it obviously should have been done a, a long time ago. I agree with you. I don't think without the Conner Stallions and the play calling and the sign stealing, and all that stuff, that this is where where we are. I think we'd still be stuck with those idiots holding the four the, the boards that have four different designs or 10 different guys on the sidelines signaling in crap, and you got to figure out which one's wearing the right jersey color or hat or whatever. It's just so simple um, that that it it should have been used a long time ago. And the unintended consequence or side effect of this, um, in my opinion, is a couple. Um, I think it's going to improve – quarterbacks heading into the nfl um it's not going to be a new system they're going to have to learn um and that might seem small it might seem slight but when you're making the adjustment from college to the nfl um everything that you already know how to do makes a difference uh and i do think that um this is going to go a long way also um it it, it probably goes a long way for play callers uh as well who will um, you know, ha- have to design if they didn't already with names and, and for you know, you know how play calling goes. Um, and, and as opposed to just holding up signs or calling out numbers, um, it's going to be very interesting to see kind of the longer term effects for quarterbacks and for either offensive head coaches or offensive coordinators, um, h- how this changes things for them. I'll certainly be interested, like in year one, to take a look at like delay of games and early, early game timeout, stuff like that um, as they try and get used to it. But uh, look, there's no denying that uh, of uh, there, Look, there's a lot of technology the games should have that they don't both in the NFL and in college. Right. Mm-hmm. Stop using the damn chain, like put a chip in the ball, stuff like that. Like, like how are we still using the human error of spotting the ball to decide games was it a first down is it a fourth down did he get like uh, you know so at least there's some steps in the right direction in terms of embracing
1: technology in the sport yeah and I mean it's it's long overdue and I understood there are many reasons why um that it didn't exist in college football and one of them is, is standardizing the practice the NCAA doesn't do a lot of things quickly um much less standardized stuff and it would have been expensive and it would have been the log- a logistical nightmare for 130 plus teams to be all on the same sort of wavelength when it comes to to what parameters they do what what little things they do how much are we going to spend on this what what are the rules around this and it was just something they never hurdled, a hurdle that they never crossed if you will and uh i i like it i think it's going to be good and it, I wonder what sort of impact it's going to have. Um, do you, uh, let me ask you a question.
0: Uh, and again, I just, I've done no research or no background at all for today's show. Do we know if this is only on the <laughs> offensive side or are they, is there going to be uh
1: defensive helmet communication as well? Do you know? I don't know for sure. I would assume that it's, it's going to be a captain on one, one side and on the okay. other. Um, be, but I do know that the, uh, the NFL, I mean, like they adopted this in 1994, <laughs> so it's 30 years ago. You know, who's really happy but, about this? No, but then in 2000, they didn't, the defense didn't have them until 2008. But who's happy? People who make green stickers.
0: You don't, what, you don't know what to talk about? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the green stickers, the one they put on the back of the helmet that has the communication. Oh, okay. Just green sticker makers—they just doubled their doubled their need for, uh, you know, half inch diameter circles of sticker. You know, oh, no, I can't but believe that fell on deaf ears. That was a good
1: I, one too, man. Bless your heart, Abe. Oh Lordy, I, I love that. But I love that these little things are coming to college football. I think it's going to be um ultimately good for the sport. But I'm I'm interested to see how it affects, say no huddle teams versus huddle teams. Um, Maybe it affects them a little bit. Maybe it doesn't, but I know uh, we saw it in the bowl season. We saw the Terrapins, uh, Maryland used it and they smoked Auburn who didn't use it. Did that have anything to do with that? I wonder, I I doubt it, but I I like it. I like that technology is making its way into the sport. The big 10 is, is, I mean, they're notorious for, for being one of the the early adopters of this sort of thing. They were the first to use instant replay in the two thousands. And, now they're jumping into into this helmet thing and and i'm I'm excited about it but little things to college football i like it yeah uh
0: again Mm -hmm. i i just hope it's the first step towards a number of advancements in communication and technology and all that stuff so um we'll see but but yeah the probably not leading the way there probably will be followers when the nfl adopts it or or maybe even if
1: they steal it from one of the you know the spring league who's gonna be trying out a couple of things so yeah we'll see what ends up happening with all of it but That's it for us right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again very soon, but make sure you were with us all offseason long. We have new episodes dropping every single week because the offseason, it doesn't exist. The College Football Talk is going to keep going all offseason long. So make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, and make sure you tune in next week. For Abe Gordon and Garrett Chapman right here on College Football Overtime. See you then.